Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. of the Midweekly Man on the Post podcast. Uh, my name's Chris. I'm a Liverpool fan, QPR fan. With me, I've got Everton fan, Mark. Hello, everyone. And I've got Bristol Rovers and Portsmouth fan, Emma. Hi. Okay. Um, what we're going to be discussing this week, we're going to be discussing the events that have happened, basically, in the football world this week. We've got the uh, Aston Villa versus Arsenal game, first of all. We've then got the FA Cup. We've got Tuesday's games, and we've got Wednesday's game as well. Um, a bit of talk about England as well. We've then got the Ballon d'Or and any predictions for the weekend. We've got a couple of suggestions up on Twitter, and then we've got some uh, suggestions for um, hopefully from yourselves this weekend. The idea is basically we do a little sort of mini league between the three of us, and whoever gets the uh, wins at the end might get a man on the post fridge magnet. You never know. So <laughs> they do exist. I do have one myself. So they, uh, they are genuinely real. So, first of all, there was Monday's game. Did anybody watch this? This was Arsenal versus Aston Villa at Villa Park. Uh, Arsenal took a 2 0 lead before um, Villa came back again. Is, is this what Arsenal. I was at Villa Park. Oh, you were there, were you? Yeah. Come and talk us through it. Um, it was great. I decided to go because I've never been to Villa Park and um, just really a chance to watch some <laughs> Premier League football rather than League Two. Um, and it was good. Arsenal were good, but I I don't know. I expected better. I don't know what I was expecting. I was expecting a lot better. And I mean, that one minute of inspiration was fantastic. But it was that one minute for me. Yeah. The rest of it was, you know, they sort of it felt like they were just in, you know, they were just in cruise control. They weren't really, you know, they weren't. They, in my opinion, they didn't look like they were up for getting anymore. They were sort of happy with what they had. And sat back a bit, which I thought was a bit of a shame. But were you sat with the Villa or were you sat with Arsenal fans? No, I was in the Villa end. And what did they make of it when they went two down? Were they on the team or bad back or the managers back? No, not really. Not as, I sort of I expected a lot more moaning, and there wasn't. And I don't know if it was that acceptance of because how Arsenal have played this year, and they just sort of thought, you know, sort of as I was leaving the ground, they were all sort of saying, well. You know, in the end, two one bad against Arsenal, and I think they sort of, I think they went into it thinking it could be a lot worse. Yeah. So when it was only two, I think they sort of, you know, weren't too upset with that. With, they with, didn't embarrass themselves at all either. They played well. Was there a bit of sort of fear before the game from the Villa fans, bearing in mind they just, like, bearing in mind they just played Sheffield United and lost in the cup, and um, they've been sort of embarrassed because of that and then there they are playing Arsenal sort of towards the top of the league with it. Was a sort of a fear before the game? I definitely I think it was a case of um sort of sort of braving the storm going into it, sort of, you know, just hoping that it wasn't a whitewash. 
which it wasn't. And I think, and they did. I think the effort that their team put in was enough for the Villa fans to sort of sit back and actually be quite happy with what happened because they they did put effort in and and especially in the like the last fifteen twenty minutes it was I, I thought Villa once they got the, um, the once they got the one goal I think they they could have if they you know it's always that thing isn't it if there had been like ten more minutes Villa definitely would have got an equaliser. Yeah, I got the impression. Did you watch the game as well, Mark? Did you? Yeah, I did, and as a little bit like Emma was saying, um, Arsenal weren't definitely weren't at their best, um, and I think you know the Christmas and the New Year schedule might be catching up with them a little bit, but you know they seem to lack a lack a, a thrust. You know there was a lot of a lot of side to side movement which Arsenal have suffered from for the last few years up until this season at least anyway, um, and they just seem to lack the killer punch, especially in the first half an hour before they got those first two goals, as you know in a minute. Um, but I think a lot of the credit for that has got to go to Aston Villa because uh, the system they started out with, which they had to change, of course, when when um, uh, was it was it Baker had to go off? I can't remember who it was. One of the back four, uh, back five. Um, once he went off, uh, it sort of started opening up a little bit. But Aston Villa were playing them pretty well for the first half an hour, not really letting them have any chances. Um, and it was all getting a bit stale until that point where they got those two quick goals, you know. So. After that, Villa, you know, their intensity seemed to drop a bit. Arsenal were in cruise control. Maybe they took it a bit too far for the last 20 minutes. Um, ben Teke and the Villa midfield kind of perked up then for the last 20 minutes. They got the goal and then Arsenal were hanging on a bit. But in previous years, I know a lot of people are talking about whether Arsenal have got the the stones for the, for the title race, you know. In previous years, they would have gone down or they would have, they would have drawn that game. Um, but I think this year there's a bit more steel to them, and you can see that in the last the last 15, 20 minutes there, um, especially at centre back. You know, I've been pretty impressed with Mertesacker this year, and uh, I think Koscielny, you know, he can have some good games and some bad games, but I think Mertesacker is going to be a key player for Arsenal in the last 15 games of the season. Where do you think both these teams will be at the end of the season? Um, Arsenal. Uh, for all they're having a great season and they will be closer to the top of the, the, the top place I still think that they'll finish third uh, Villa probably around 13th 14th they they won't go down but they're not good enough to go in the top half do you think Villa have got some kind of, I mean they're a young team aren't they they take a season or so to job do you think that this Villa team could be a team the next season or so that could be doing something or is this the sort of lean forward and where they are now <coughs> Well, I know listening to the Villa fans, that's that is what they were saying. Their team is young, and they watching watching them week in week out. They're lacking that sort of um, someone to step up and take charge and and be the boss. And I know that's I'm listening to people like you know getting the train back and things. They were sort of that's what they were saying, and that's what they wanted um, Lambert to spend the money on in January uh, to to sort of. Just to just to have someone to guide the younger players it doesn't have to be the best player that they can afford, or it doesn't. I mean, I listened to a really interesting argument about whether they go out and loan an older player, or whether they buy. And um, I was listening to two Villa fans arguing about it. One saying that there's no point loaning someone; it'd be a waste of money, and the other sort of saying, "Well, no. If if it gets us through to the end of the season and puts us in a in, in a decent position." then surely that's not a waste of money. Surely that's money well spent. 
So that was quite interesting listening to them talk about that. But I definitely think they need a leadership. Did they did they mention any names who they might want? No, they did they couldn't they couldn't really think of anyone that they would desperately want in. Yeah. The perfect the perfect person really and the perfect example of what you've said there, Emma, is Gareth Barry at Everton and that's exactly the player. Um, both in terms of his position and what he brings to the team and his experience. For for Villa, they desperately need somebody like that. I know yeah. I think this I think they've signed signed Grant Holt, haven't they? Yeah. Not exactly the right type of player, but older, more experienced. They definitely need that because they've got talent, but they just haven't got the people to on the field to put it in the right direction. What do they feel about Ben Teke? Do they think he had a good game or is it just the goal he scored? Well, he played well in the last 20 minutes, but up until then he was just going through the motions as it appears he has been for the last three or four months. Did you regret signing that contract? Um, I think so, yeah, because he could have gone in the summer for 15, 20 million, couldn't he? But Yeah, I think I think they'll regret not cashing in on him because they're never. I don't think they're going to get offered that money again for him. Because he won season wonder. Yeah, uh, uh, see, I think he's a good player, but he's just either lacking confidence or interest at the minute. Last season, there was a lot of comparisons, for example, between him and Lukaku when Lukaku was at West Brom. And I thought Benteke was a better all-round player than Lukaku. So uh, I still think he is, but he's just having one of them spells at the moment. Yeah. Moving on, uh, Tuesday night and uh, Wednesday night, we had the FA Cup. Um, there was a little giant for this play with Peter Peterborough, which we fair to them, was actually at Peterborough. So we've got Kidderminster and Nominee team through for the next round. But was it all a bit pedestrian or was there any anything that sort of grabbed you this week regards to the FA Cup? Well, I, I was at Birmingham City for the ah. Robes FA Cup game. That was interesting. Again, it was somewhere I've never been. I've never been to St Andrews before. And um, it was it was just a typical game we, um, for us. We you know, we were playing an opposition that were in the championship. I don't think it looked like there were two leagues between us. And we only sort of went 3-0 down when we were, we, you know, we'd already gone 1-0 down. And um, John Ward, the manager, sort of thought, well, you know, if we're going to lose 1-0, we might as well chuck a few more forwards on and lose by more, but at least have a chance. Um, which, was, which was fine. Like it, it, you know, Birmingham were the better, you know, they were the better team. But I was. What shocked me more was the uh, the lack of the support from the Birmingham fans. I think Rovers took just under three thousand up, and there was about eight thousand in the ground. And um, I found it interesting because in his programme notes, Lee Clark was saying how desperate they were to play Swansea, and apparently he came out on the radio a few days before the match and said, you know, money-wise, Birmingham really, really need it. And I sort of thought, if your if your manager will come out and say publicly that you're desperate for the money, it's a bit sad that the fans don't really turn up. What was it? Could you pay on the gate to get in? Yeah, um, yeah, it was ten quid. So um, they, they weren't yeah. asking a lot, then, were they? they were... No, not at all. I think for for a, a FA Cup game, that's quite reasonable. Hmm. Okay. Um. So you were happy with how they played the Bristol Rivers? You came away feeling a little bit proud, or? Yeah, def- I don't think we. I mean, I don't think Rovers ever looked like they were on top or gonna run away with it. But I was quite we, like again, we didn't embarrass ourselves, and it didn't in any way look like there was sixty something places between us. Mm. So for an FA Cup game, you can't really say, can't really be 
too upset with that. No. Yeah, FIFA lost at home to Kidderminster. Um, Sheffield United had a little scare against Macclesfield, I think, before. That's right, Sheffield Wednesday had a little scare before going for one against um, Macclesfield. And Wigan went behind to MK Dons before coming back to win 3 1. And did anybody see Nick Powell's knee slide afterwards? Uh, after he scored one goal, it was a wet night, it was a very sort of slippy wet surface. He scored his goal in front of the MK Dons fans. Uh, slid along the ground and stopped from before falling flat on his face virtually. The MK Dons fans thought it was um, probably the highlight of their night. But Luke Chadwick scored for MK Dons, if anybody remembers him. Luke Chadwick, yeah. Has, he looks like he's had plastic surgery because he, he was quite an ugly kid, wasn't he? Yeah, he's not as ugly as he once was, is he? I know, it's a bit suspicious, that. Yeah. You think it might be a different Luke Chadwick? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the next round... The um, I mean, Liverpool are away at Bournemouth. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit funny about that game as a Liverpool fan because Eddie Howe, I think, is a very good manager. I think Bournemouth will be definitely up for it. Uh, and I think Liverpool could find that a little tricky. What do you, any of you think of that? No, they'll win easy. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Bournemouth have the quality to be a threat. No. Do you know no Previous years, you could say Liverpool could quite easily, uh, you know, make a right hash of a game like Bournemouth away in the cup. But you know, they've progressed a bit now. They've got Suarez, they've got Sturridge, they've got Coutinho, they've got all these fellas who can score a goal. They're still a bit iffy at the back, but they'll just have far too much class than than Bournemouth can handle. You know, which is a shame because obviously I'd like to see Bournemouth do it. But <laughs> this what this podcast needs another Everton fan. Well, is that, that's two of us then. That's two of you. Yeah. Um, the other fixtures, Birmingham and Swansea, can see an upset there? Um, possibly, yeah. Swansea aren't, aren't really doing it this year like last year. I can confess to not having seen anything of Birmingham this year. I know they're not tearing up any trees in the Championship, but, you know, that's that's definitely an opportunity for them. Yeah. Emma, you you saw Birmingham the other day, you think they could do it? They weren't brilliant, but from what Lee, like, like what I said, from what Lee Clark was saying, I think he'll make sure they're really fired up for it, and I think he'll really, really want to go through. Mm. So, I mean, even if it's a draw and they take it back to the Liberty Stadium, I think that I think he'll sort of make sure that they go out and do fight for it. So maybe, I, yeah, maybe an upset could come there. Yeah, I would. A little bonus, but on the schemes one the way could be Bolton v Cardiff and Southender at home to Hull. That could be a little tricky. There's Wigan versus Palace. I don't know if that would class as an upset or not if you lost to the Hull with a Zeno, you're the Premier League team. And then Stevenage at home to Everton. What do you think, Mark? Um, well, knowing Everton as I do, you never you never back on or against the Blues. So it's it, it's possible, but aren't Stevenage bottom of their division? Everton the fly in. Especially away from home, they won't rotate the squad, so that reduces the risk of them getting getting upset. But yeah, Everton should come through that fairly easily, I think. Fulham okay. away at Sheffield United, anybody? Um, well, the shock would be Fulham winning, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're probably not far from there. Southampton, um, Yeovil, does that count as a class of the local derby? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then the other one I was going to mention was Man City Watford. Did anyone watch Man City last night? 
yeah, yeah, they were good. Did you think if they went in at nil-nil, then they would have scored as many in the second half? Well, I think they were always going to score three-plus. I mean, that's the standard for Manchester City these days at home, isn't it? Mm. Um, Blackburn again. Do you know, they played very well up to a point, but then City just went up two gears and probably still weren't even in top gear to to stick five past them. So even if it had been nil-nil, you still would have fancied City to come out and win three or four goals. But the goal just before half-time, obviously, that was a, that was a real killer for Blackburn. Mm. I thought they did very well throughout the first half to keep it as they did, but you kind of got the impression that as soon as they scored so close to half-time that it would end the way it did. I don't think that um, sort of anything was in doubt from there. So, um, so yeah, there should be some interesting fixtures for the next time there. The one thing I thought about, I watched Fulham Norwich on Tuesday night. Uh, Darren Bent scored. Remember him? Uh, Darren Bent scoring, uh, and then Andy Carroll with his assist on Sunday night. And I've got, got me thinking about the England positions for the World Cup. You've got Wayne Rooney, I imagine, up front who's a given. Is there anybody else played up front with him? Do you think he's definitely on the plane? I don't think there's anyone certain at the moment, is there? I think it, it, it will definitely just depend on what happens towards the end of the season. I think um, I think it was on Twitter you made a good point, Chris. I think Foe leaving, I th- I personally think that is him ruling himself out of the cup. I don't, think he'll, I don't think he'll be part of Roy Hodgson's plans anymore. Do you think he should be? I mean, it's not, it's not a, a poor league, is it, the MLS? I mean, there's no reason why, if he scores lots of goals and gets in the habit of scoring, he... Is there any reason why he shouldn't be on the plane? It's not a great league. and, and for, I mean, Defoe will score a load of goals for Toronto, but, um, you know, I think Hodgson's going to want to take players who are playing every week, which would rule Darren Bent out, because he, he, he hasn't been playing every week, and he won't play every week as long as Ber- if Berbatov stays at Fulham. So, Defoe, OK, he's going to be playing a lot while he's in Canada, but, you know, he, it's a poor league. But he's still a good player. He's still better than Bent, for example. Mm. Um, especially a finisher. You know, we're going to be playing games in in ridiculous heat and humidity. People are going to be strolling around, and one of the key things you're going to need in games like that is as a player who's got a sudden burst of pace and acceleration, and over five yards can get ahead of their marker in the box. And Defoe's exactly that type of player. Mm. And he can finish. You know, okay, we've got Welbeck, for example. Another lad who who run around a lot, which sends, seems to be his only redeeming feature, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, um, but he can't finish to save his life. You've got Daniel Sturridge, who who blows hot and cold for me. You know, he can score a hat trick one day and then be trying to shoot from his own half and hitting the corner flag the next. Mm. So, I, for me, I would I would have taken Defoe. I would have taken a gamble on him. But as you say, he's kind of ruling himself out of the of the trip by going away to the MLS. Did you not think there's a case whereby if you're playing every week and you're scoring every week, it doesn't really matter who the opposition is every week, you'll, you'll get, if you're in that habit, aren't you? You're kind of in that zone. Yeah, you could say that, but then, you know, in that case, you could pick a player from the championship, if there's one who's scoring a load of goals against the likes of Barnsley and Ipswich and, and teams from that division. You know, it's the kind of the Steve Bull factor. You know, he used to score a a ton of goals in the lower leagues and he got into the England squad but he could never really cut it when he stepped up to that level. Yeah. 
I'll show you your age and what's these for? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we've got Rooney on the plane, we've got Welbeck and Sturridge, have we all agreed in that? Is there a wild card out there that you would punt for? Yeah, I definitely think he'll be out there, whether everyone's happy with it is a different question, but I think he'll go. Is, is, is there a fourth one that you would sort of pick? Would it be Lambert or would it be, um, would it be somebody else? You would pick Lambert, would you, as a fourth it was something I, I heard um, a little while ago now, and he was a bit enthusiastic, but Glenn Hoddle mentioned uh, Fraser Campbell from Cardiff, who, you know, from time to time, he's obviously now injury-free, but he turns in some good performances. Um, he's not international quality, but then again, we don't have a whole list of international quality strikers, so it would be interesting to see if he gets a call-up to play in any of the friendlies, and if he does well, it could be a toss-up between him and Lambert for that that fourth place. Other than that, who else is? Who, how many decent English centre forwards are there? Well, exactly. There's Carroll, who's always injured, like you say. Um, I said decent centre forward. <laughs> He's a thirty-five million pound player. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there could be a case if someone sort of goes on street, scoring streak between now and then, then you know. The, the door is still open, I suppose, isn't it? Did anybody see the Ballon d'Or this week? I saw Messi's suit. Did you see the picture of him sat next to Ronaldo? Yeah. Messi sat by himself and Ronaldo sat with two girls about two seats away. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a bit of Photoshop. <laughs> oh, was it? Oh, no, I was hoping it was real. <laughs> was he a worthy winner? Um, this, this year, probably, yeah. And obviously, he's come second four or five times in a row, hasn't he? But deservedly so, because Messi's been amazing for the last four or five years. But this year, Ronaldo's he's earned it, hasn't he, really? Yeah, very much. I think, I think more, personally, I think he's earned it more at international level. I think Portugal are extremely ordinary teams, but I don't think they would have gone to the World Cup without him. If you look at what he did against Sweden and what he did against Northern Ireland, I think he sort of dragged them by the scruff of the neck up to the next level. Absolutely, the, the Portugal were going out, and I see for me they would Sweden would have gone through without Ronaldo being on the field. Mm. I think it was um, I think it was Gary Lineker or someone said that the Ballon d'Or isn't the best player in the best team; it's the best player overall. And I think that's like what you said, like Portugal wouldn't wouldn't be going to the World Cup without him. And and like you said, like he's Messi has been brilliant the last few seasons, but I don't know if it's because because of all the hype and the Ballon d'Ors around Messi, when I've watched Ronaldo this season, I genuinely have been in awe. And and Messi hasn't, you know, he's been injured in things. And I definitely think Ronaldo this year, it was definitely his time to win it. And I think it would be incredibly harsh if Messi had got it over him. Who do you think would miss him? Would Barcelona miss Messi more or would Ronaldo, um, Madrid miss Ronaldo more, do you think? Madrid would miss Ronaldo more, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Barcelona are a better team, although they're probably on the wane now. Um, but they're still a better all-round team than Real Madrid. Was there a case for Ribery? Um, possibly. I, I I was lucky enough to be in uh, go to one of the Bayern Munich Champions League games earlier this year, uh, earlier in the season, um, and Bayern were superb, and Ribery was just incredible. It was only Victoria Pilsen, mind you, but he was still incredible. <laughs> incredible is incredible, whoever you're playing, I suppose. Yeah, I think I would have done quite well against them. Was there a case for Robin over Ribery? 
No, no, no. Robert, Robin's only got one foot. He's only about pace. You know, is he, he often hits the first man when he actually does try to cross and not shoot. You know, Rivery's a proper, proper footballer. You know, he's got he's got a, a, a good football brain. Robin's a, a bit of a chancer. You know, he's a he's a he's a he's a good version of Adam Johnson. <laughs> Uh, wait, he scored a goal in the Champions League final. That was a heck of a goal, wasn't it? And it was the winner. Or is that just the fact that's just a moment in time? That's not sort of over the whole of 2013. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Did you see the team of the year? I haven't, no. Yes, I, yeah, I saw the team of the year, yeah. Um, well, if I just go through the forever, it's Manuel Neuer in goal. Um, I think it's probably a 4 2 1 3 formation. So we have Danny Alves and Philip Lama's fullbacks with. Thiago Silva, Sergio Ramos in the middle. Uh, little two of Iniesta and Pazzi. And then in the hole behind the front three is Ribery, followed by Lima Messi, Bacan, and Cristiano Ronaldo. And there was talk about the fact that there's no Premier League based players in there. The only player that I could really think of was Company instead of Ramos. Did anybody ever say anything? Company wasn't. I don't think Company was great last season. Last season, although he's been excellent this season. But you're right, Sergio Ramos should never be anywhere near that team. No. Um, maybe maybe Suarez, maybe maybe Aguero. Ahead of, ahead of Messi, Lacazette, or Ronaldo, though. <laughs> Probably Ibrahimovic, but I, I'm only basing that on I don't get to see that much of Ibrahimovic. Yeah. And so that's what I, that's the only reason I base that on. Yeah. I was thinking, I mean, if you're not going to have Ramos or something, the other one, maybe I think, you know, the uh, Chiellini as well. I think he's very really good guy. I would be, I'm not so shocked, you said Suarez, and I'm not so shocked he was in the Ballon d'Or that's just been released, but I think if he keeps up his form and he's not in next year's, I would be really shocked by that. Because mm. I definitely think this his form so far this season, like he should without a doubt be in there. Yeah. Was there anybody else? I mean, not just within England, but um, anywhere that you would have thought well, that deserved to be in it? Xavi's, for me, Xavi might be a little bit of a contentious one. That's what I was thinking as well. Um, you know, he's been an amazing player and three, four years ago, he, he made Barcelona tick, didn't he? He was, everything that they did went through him, even even having Messi and Iniesta and people like that in the team, they would have missed Xavi a, a huge amount, but I just don't know who could have, who could replace him in that team, uh, in in that sort of role. Özil. Özil. Mm. Mm, don't know. Uh, he, I, I like him. I think he's a good player. Um, I'm not sure he's really cutting it at Arsenal at the minute for the 42 million pound price tag. Mm. But he, I think he'll come good because he's just a good player. Yeah. But there's three Munich players, two Madrid players, two PSG players. Barcelona players. Just to break that down again, that's six La Liga players, three Bundesliga, and two Ligue 1 players. So, fair distribution? Um, I think so. Um, the Premier League wasn't great last year, was it? Mm. As a whole, um, and although I don't see as much Spanish football as I did a few years back, the fact that you know you've got two great teams like Barcelona and Real, Barcelona and Real Madrid, and you know they'd got pretty far uh, into the, the Champions League. And you've got all the Bayern players because obviously Bayern were amazing last season. Actually, Schweinsteiger could have been one one who replaced Xavi in that team, in that in that particular role. But they were the standout um, teams 
and when when the the vote gets taken people are obviously going to be picking the players they see more often doing well you know it's a bit like when the when the pfa team of the year is announced you know you often see the same three three from man u three from chelsea three from arsenal and there must be year upon year where the, in the past where the likes of gary neville or john terry got picked just because you you thought well he must be good he's manchester united's right back but they weren't the best right back in the league no. you know and i think there's a maybe an element of that to to this fifa team yeah i think there's always something like that isn't it yeah um right moving on to quite possibly the part where a lot of people's actual brains looking for premier league winners champions league winners FA cup winners world cup winners and relegation products as well, I've got myself. I've gone for uh, World Cup winning Brazil, Champions League, um, Premier League, Chelsea, FA Cup, Everton, and Palace, Norwich, and Fulham to go down. What have we got for yourselves? Emma? Um, for the World Cup, I've got Brazil. Um, the Premier League, as much as I would like to see Arsenal in it, but I think it will be Man City. Um, for the FA Cup, I put Liverpool, and relegation, Palace, Fulham, and Norwich, and then for the Champions League, I was, I it took me ages to think of this because I haven't really watched that many Champions League games this season, so I'm, I'm sort of was thinking for a long time, and I sort of thought if City weren't against Barcelona now. I would probably go for them because I think they have players that um, are obviously flourishing in the Premier League and would definitely flourish on the Champions League stage. But I think coming up against Barcelona now, I don't think they'll do it. So I would probably, um, I'd probably say the same Bayern Munich. I would go for just because I think they're probably still the best team, and I can't. I think the, the Spanish teams would be stronger this season. But I don't think that they'll have enough to overcome Bayern. Mark, what have you got? Uh, World Cup. I'm going to go for European side for a change mm-hmm. uh, to win in South America. I'm going to go for Germany. Um, I think that they're just going to come right at the right time. A lot of their attacking players are going to be, although they're still young, they're all coming to a peak at the right time. So even given the the conditions there, I, I'm going to go for Germany for the World Cup. Uh, Premier League, Manchester City, um, I think over the season they're just going to be too strong. They've got too many too many weapons in the Arsenal to to foul it up, so I think City will be too strong. Champions League, Bayern, um, they've got Guardiola, they've got all the players. I just think they'll be too good. FA Cup, I can't see anybody... I can't see Chelsea not winning something this season, mm. even though they are not haven't been playing that great. Um, so and they like the FA Cup and they like Wembley, so I'm going to go for Chelsea. Uh, relegation: Crystal Palace, Cardiff, and Norwich. Okay, we've got a couple of answers on. Uh, we put this out on Twitter earlier on as well uh, from at Man on the Post. Uh, at Two Rats Max replied: "He thinks Premier League is Man City, Champions League is Man City, relegation is Norwich, West Ham, Palace, and." Colin from the Sunday show, uh, at 707, he put Premier League Chelsea, 
Champions League by Munich, relegated Sunderland Palace and Norwich, FA Cup Man City and World Cup to England. There's one I call him the Team England fan. <laughs> is he is he all right? Yeah, he's a Leeds fan. All <laughs> oh, right, well. He's in mourning from Sunday. Say no more. Is there a case at all you can make for England as well? Um, if we get past the group, we've done well. You seriously? You think we're not going to get by the group? Um, yeah, and I mean that—that's not even given the, you know, this whole thing about playing in the rainforest and the humidity and what have you. I mean, forget all that. If you just look at the the team that we've got and comparing it, you, can you say we're a better team than Italy or a better team than Uruguay? I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say so. We've got for years and years we've had a lot of good players, but we've just never had a good team. Even when the so-called golden generation were at their peak. They were never a good team, and we aren't as good now as we were then. So, personally, if we get out of the group, I think we'll have done well. You don't think we could do a group? Sorry? You don't think we could do a group? Um, no. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. Okay, Evan, how far do you think we're going to get? Um, I don't want to upset anyone on the main podcast again, because last time we discussed England, they weren't very happy with me. <laughs> Um, I, uh, I I agree with Mark. I think that um, both Italy and Uruguay are probably, well, they are better teams. And I, I think we'll bottle it again. I can't. I think, I think and, and they'll come back and it will all be about, you know, the rainforest conditions and all the rest of it. But I, I can't see us getting past group stages. I think... Sorry, are, are Italy that much better than us? And Uruguay for that matter? I don't think it's just about being better than us, even though I think they are better than us. I think because international football's played at a diff- totally different pace, and it, even that'll be accentuated even further in, in the conditions. England, when, if you watch England play ball retention, slow, slow possession football, it's awful. You know, awful to watch. And we don't go anywhere. We go side to side and backwards, and then we hoof it up the field and lose the ball. When you look at the teams like Uruguay and Italy playing that type of way, the slow, slow possession football, you can see that they actually go somewhere with it. And then they play themselves into a good position to have a have an attack or a shot on goal or something like that. And that that's where England will fall. Even if it was English conditions, we don't play international-style football properly. We just can't do it for whatever reason. We're too predictable. We're too slow. And in in that in in Brazil next year against the teams who can do it, I think we'll just we'll 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 look. Even Costa Rica could probably do it better than England. So, you know, let's wait and see if we even come third in the group. You think they're acclimatised? They're going <laughs> to do better. Well, they they're used to the conditions more than England are for sure. Takes us all the way through there. We're going to. Stick that England are going to fall flat on their faces. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm bother watching it now, there's no point. Um, it takes us to this weekend then, so I've got a little prediction for this weekend's Premier League fixtures. So I don't think you've got a little look at the table on that, so I'll start with the first year of kickoff at Sunderland Southampton. Mark, how do you think we're going to do? Uh, you want a home away draw scoreline or my match? Summary before it happens. I'm giving win, lose, or draw. It's been very confident a score. Okay, I think it. I think it's going to be a score draw, something like two-two. Okay, Emma. 
it pains me to say it, but I am. Um, I think Southampton will win. Uh, I'm going to go for a home win of Sunderland. I think. Uh, trick up Arsenal Fulham. Mark. Only one result. Arsenal win. Yeah, yeah Arsenal win. And Palace Stoke, Emma. Uh, this is a tough I'll go game. For a draw. Draw, are you? Mark. Yeah, I think it, I, I can see it being a, a fantastic nil-nil. <laughs> you don't think the revenge of the Pulis? Crystal Palace Stoke. Uh, you know, it's one of those games where you would you, you'd fancy uh, going and spending the afternoon in ASDA rather than going to watch that. I think. I think the danger is behind Park, isn't there? Oh, is that? Oh. Yeah, you could go there. I'll get a ticket for that then. Oh, yeah, you probably have a good time. But you don't think Pulis is at Revenge of the Dishwetter cold and he's going to give him a. a, a I, think, I think he'd like to, but Palace are just. You know, I, 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 they're the team I fancy will finish bottom of the league, but I do. You know, they're going to they're going to scrap a few results. Stoke aren't great, so I see a draw. I think uh, I'm going to get a Palace win. Something I don't know. I'm sure they're going to go down, but I think they're going to go down with a bit of a fight. Uh, next one is Man City Cardiff. Anybody put Cardiff down for this? No. No, not a chance. <laughs> go for City. Okay, that's the three of us. Go for City then. Uh, Norwich versus Hull is the next one. Anybody put the thoughts on this one? I fancy a Hull away win. Yes, yeah, so do I, and I think it could be Hewton's uh, last game. Oh, do you? Yeah, because I think if they're going to change it, which it sounds like they are, they need to do it. Realistically, they needed to do it this week because there's no point sacking him at the end of January and the next person come in and work with his players not being able to bring anyone else in. Uh, I'm actually surprised they've stuck with Hewton as long as they have. You know, they've Norwich have had uh, quite a few bad results, bad performances going back sort of into October time. So they must be a pretty loyal board at Norwich, but it's got to be wearing thin now. Is that not a noble thing to be, though, sort of stick by your manager through thick and thin? It is, but they've spent a lot of money that Norwich aren't renowned for doing, and you know they've taken a bit of a gamble to push up the table, so then they don't get into annual relegation scraps and it's backfired. Mm. So you know they might they might do something like call for Harry Redknapp or something like that and try and dig them out of the hole they're in. Or call for former player Malky McCoy. Indeed. Need to be Red Sox for signing Cooper. No. It. Trying to dispel certain myths and uh, that prevail within football, and one of the myths it tends to disprove is the fact that new managers, when they come in, they have a sort of impetus of um, there's impetus behind them. They have regards to play what they play for, but also they get backed by the board financially. But the book proves that that is just a very much a short-term measure. He comes in, he spends his money, he gets some players in, they do well for a little bit. More often than not, then they sort of regress to a mean, and after a while, that manager goes. And of course, a new manager then comes in, got two sets of players from the previous and the previous manager before that that he doesn't really want, and the team gets stuck in a, in a perpetual motion. Yeah. Do you think getting rid of the manager is always a good thing, or do you think sometimes maybe it's, uh, I mean, you'd know, and it's probably been a Portsmouth fan, you've had a lot of changes. I mean, you've made a lot of changes, yet there you are in League Two. Is it a good thing? Looking at Norwich, for a club like Norwich, obviously they've just come back from going 
going down to League One. I am pretty sure they would never want to go back there again. And I think it comes a time where when you are in the Premier League and you are nearing the bottom, how long, you know, how long do you get it before you sort of, you know, you've got to fight. I, 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 well, if I was not to spend that money, I personally think you've got to give it everything you can to try and stay up. And Hewton's proving that with his, it's not even, I don't think it's, from what I've heard and what I've read, it's not even about their results. You know, you can get bad results, but you're not playing that badly and you're just unlucky. But it doesn't sound like that's the case. Like It sounds like they are bad on the pitch. And I think that bringing in someone new, um, and someone, like you said, someone with more experience, more experience who's been round, round a bit, would have more luck with bring with making you know a bad team good. Hmm. Why did I go for Norwich Wood? I'm going to feel sorry for Christie. I'm going to go for Norwich Wood on that one. <laughs> Next one is West Ham Newcastle. Any Mark? Have you got a... Um, I can see West Ham staying up. I'm sure when they get a few players back, they'll do all right. But in this one, I can see Newcastle sneaking away with the three points. I can't see West Ham winning it. So, yeah, I'll go for Newcastle as well. Newcastle don't travel to the London Railway, do they? No, they don't. That's a historical thing. You know, for donkey's years, I, I, mean, I live near Newcastle and it's a constant thing for 20-odd years that them always moaning how they might as well not bother going down to London to games, even to the likes of Charlton and Brentford when they were in the in the old second division of things they never used to win. So, but they're a good team, you know. They've they've played they've played well this season. I, I fancied them to struggle, but they've played well. Um, they can always okay. They're always going to concede, but they can score a go- they can score a goal or two, and I think that's what will get them through against West Ham, who are starting to leak goals quite a lot, and they're not really scoring many, so that's my reasoning behind them bit of a point to prove up. London. bit of a point to prove after Sunday as well? Definitely, I mean, they've played Manchester City, uh, Arsenal, uh, I think when they played Liverpool as well, they played really, really well and deserved something out of some really big games and got nothing, and obviously they, they felt like they got gypped against Manchester City, for a lot of the game, they were the better team. So, yeah, I think... And, and Pardew's going to want to go to West Ham and stick the knife in a bit, I reckon. Um, so I, I think he'll have them up for it, and I think they'll win. You see, I think in vice versa. Allardyce will want to stick the knife into Newcastle. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go for West Ham. Liverpool or Villa? Well, I'm going to go for Liverpool. Yeah, I can't see, can't see Liverpool losing that one. Yeah, Liverpool. They always... They, Liverpool always have one game a season at home where they lose and you can't explain why and it's usually to a team well yeah that's true (laughs) usually it's to a team in in the same sort of position as where Villa are now Mm. you know in past it's been teams like Stoke and uh, and Southampton when they were a bit further down the league but I can't see it this weekend not this weekend Southampton beat them earlier in the season hopefully they've got that monkey off their back well that's true yeah Um, Swansea Tottenham um Tottenham, just. I think it'll be a score draw. Now then, Chelsea West Ham Sunday afternoon. Uh, Emma, who do you think will win this one? Uh, I'll go for a home win, Chelsea. I agree, Chelsea. They're just starting to come right now. 
and Man United, you know, they're they're not a great team. Um, so I can only see a Chelsea win. Is there a case for United win? I know you just said both said Chelsea, but I mean, if you're offering hope to a United fan listening now, what would you say to them? I think they'll. I don't think that. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> at least you're not in League Two, I suppose. Yes, um, you're no, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I think they will. I don't know. I don't think they'll come really good by the end of the season, but I think they will start grinding out performances and I think they will start getting the points that they need. And I th- They're just not here, not away at Chelsea. No, not away at Chelsea. I think Chelsea will be too strong for them. The fact, the fact that Emma was really struggling to give to, to pick out a, a, a possible way for Man United to win this game, and remember, this is Man United who won the league by twelve points last year. Yeah, that that says it all, doesn't it? Really about about what they've got, especially without Van Persie and Rooney in the team. Yeah, you know, it's it's the worst Man U team I can remember in twenty years. Do you know, I was thinking the same thing. I was trying to think that throughout every team since they won the the Premier League, there was always one player consistently who would do it, it would be it Cantona, Stoles, King, yep. whoever. They haven't got that this season, have they? They haven't got one player that does that. Well, the, Rooney's, Rooney's had his best season for two or three years, probably. He's but, injured a lot, isn't he? But he's in, exactly, yeah, he's in and out, so, but, I don't know, I, they've, got a, they've got a big job on, they don't need one or two players, that, that squad, they need six or seven players to get them back to where you know you expect them to be hmm. well I'm going to go to Chelsea as well I can't see them having a cat in house chance <laughs> Monday night uh, I'm sure you were Mark is West Brom Everton what do you think um, well West Brom of course have just um, unveiled their new manager haven't they Pepe Mel so you might get that uh, that temporary injection of, of effort and skill and everything else but I, I, I was that good as Park for the West Brom Everton game back in August, and West Brom were the worst team I've seen at Goodison Park for donkey's years. They were absolutely terrible, and what I've seen of them since, they haven't improved much. So, although Everton are starting to show signs of looking a bit jaded over the last couple of games, Barkley's injured. Um, I, I, I still can't see anything other than an Everton win, which you know I don't like to say because I'm naturally a pessimist, but. <laughs> I have to. I have to go for Everton on Monday. Okay, so I put you down for Everton. What do you think they're going to do this in January? Do you think they're going to strengthen or? Well, they've got McGeady, who, for, for reportedly half a million, they've got him for. That's good business. He's he's going to be probably a bench player. Um, you know, cover for Morales and Pinar on the wings. He's not bad. He's not he's not great, but he's not he's not a bad player. Um, there's there's a couple of forwards they've been looking at now. They've sold Jelovic. There's this kid from Stan, the, the age in Belgium that they're interested in. Um, I don't remember his name. Uh, Batshui or something like that. Right. Um, who I've got no idea about. But we definitely need a centre forward because we've only got Lukaku, who's who's been pretty poor for the last month. Uh, um, and we've got Velios, who who is just a young and who's not really done anything um, since he scored a couple of goals a couple of years ago. So we need a forward and we probably need another central midfielder because we're a bit short in the central midfield areas. But it's a typical juggling act at Everton. You know, you've got to sell a player to buy a player, try and loan a player. Um, 
the, this transfer, the transfer window in August, basically set up where Everton are right now. This transfer window will determine whether we are actually a Champions League um, challenging team or whether we're just going to finish sixth or seventh. Which I hate to say it, we probably will still end up doing, even though we've been brilliant this season. Hmm. I kind of, well, I hope Tom's we're in there as well. I do. I kind of hope you get there because I think you've been knocking on the sort of four faces at the door for so long. And I think Martinez is a manager that does deserve it as well. He's, he's gone about it in the right way, hasn't he? He sort of started and worked his way up towards Everton, hasn't he? He's not been sort of slotted in, having had a sort of illustrious career and, mm. and whatever. He's, he's gone about doing it sort of the traditional way, hasn't he? And I think if anybody deserves it, the Champions League face, it's him. Well, uh, he's been brilliant in the short time he's been at Everton. Um, and, the, you know, it does take a lot to win over fans but the Everton fans are totally in love with him you know which after 11 years of the same manager who's done brilliantly um, it was time for a change even if Man United hadn't come and and taken him away I think a lot of Evertonians were of the opinion that it was time for Moyes to move on and because and he was going stale Everton were going a bit stale so Martinez is brilliant like you say he's, he did a great job Sort of, sort of setting up the Swansea thing um, did very very well at Wigan probably he's the reason they stayed up so long and of course won the FA Cup and now he's coming to Everton and, and really going to try and put his stamp on it kind of he wants to be it seems like he wants to be like the Guardiola figure uh, at Everton you know that, that kind of the, the guru if you like of the club you know mm. how about you though what do you think they're going to do yeah, no, I, I think it'll be an Everton win. Well, I was just interested, Mark, do you think that Everton will finish above United this season? Um, again, this comes down to the transfer window. I think if we bring another one or two players in um, and United don't do anything, I think, yeah. Because, I mean, like you say, Man United, um, they've got to grind out some results, as well, even if they don't start tearing the league up like you expect them to in the second half of the season that you've seen year upon year in the past um, if they bring in the right players I think they will if we don't and if United maybe bring in one or two and just start to click which after a new manager comes in you know can happen uh, after it takes a little while sometimes they might just be too strong but do I think Man United will finish in the top four no so if they finish fifth then Everton will finish sixth. What do you think? Yeah, and that means that, you know, Liverpool will get in there, I think. <laughs> I, Which, not, know, I, I, think that, I had to spit that out. No, I don't think we're going to do it. Honestly, I'm, I'm, a, like, I'm a pessimist like you. Mm. What do you think since World War now, as, a, as an Everton fan? Do you look back on his time with you as sort of, do you feel proud to have had him, or do you have a bit of sort of schadenfreude when you sort of see how he's getting on at United? Do you feel like he left you in the lurch a bit? What do you feel? Um, well, like I was saying, uh, he's been brilliant for Everton. You know, he was he was fantastic from the moment he came in. Um, very much in the same sort of uh, the way that Martinez came in, embraced the fans, embraced the history of the club, and all, all of that kind of thing. And to a point, we were fantastic. But and he developed Everton not just from a team who would kick lumps out of the opposition and grind results out, but a team who would play a bit of football, mix it up a bit. Um, and tried to develop year upon year on a obviously a, a, a quite a small budget, um, but I think that was starting to wear a bit thin and wear a bit thin with quite a lot of the supporters. 
um, that were sick of hearing the same excuses over and over and same watching the same sort of pattern of play and things were starting to grind to a halt a little bit in terms of the development of the team and I think Moyes just lost his interest as well so I think the opportunity for him to go to Man U and for us to get somebody else in it, like an imagine an, an amicable divorce I think that's how the best way to to describe it I think it was just time for both parties to to say thanks a lot it's been it's been great um, we'll move on yeah is, is what's happened at United at the beginning of this season is that sort of what you expected Moyes to do or did you expect him to do a lot better um, well I think in terms of how they're playing they're their pattern of play, well, there is no pattern of play, it seems to me. Um, there's a lot of confusion within the team and the tactics. But where, where they made the huge mistake, and this is whether it's Moyes' fault or the chief executive, uh, Woodward, is it his name? Yeah. Um, they made a right hash of the transfer window in the summer. They were linked with 20, 30 million pl- pound players left, right and centre. And, and they ended up with a player regardless of the fact they overpaid for Fellaini, um, they ended up with a player who doesn't fit Manchester United. That that group of players, he's absolutely got no uh, no value to that team, as far as I could tell. Because um, he, he he's not a defensive midfielder because he can't pass the ball. And he's not he's not a playing off the striker type player for United because he's not as good as Rooney or Van Persie if they were in that position. So it to, to me, it, all the confusion reigned from that summertime when they didn't seem to have a plan about who they needed to bring in and how they were going to play. It's all seemed off the cuff, but it's totally it's totally chaotic. Uh, and that's what's gone wrong, that they didn't have the right base to begin with, with Moyes' players and his style. He's just kind of, I think he's kind of gone into it thinking, I know, I'll just use Alex Sir Alex's players and tactics, and that should see me through. It doesn't always work like that, and we can see that there's just... There's nothing there at the moment, but it might take a little bit more time. And you know, he's obviously got a couple more transfer windows coming up in the next six months that uh, should should see United develop under Moyes. They will double next season. If they, I think they will. I think they'll give him time. I think they will. Well, I'm going to go for West Brom Everton. I'm going to, think I'm going to go for a draw. Yeah, probably a scoring one. Um, I was going to wrap up, but there was something I thought about while. You were talking. Do you remember watching, or you would have seen it, I mean, you were there, the game on Monday, I was going back to the Arsenal Villa game. There was a point where an Arsenal player fell over, was injured. Uh, the game carried on while Arsenal had the ball. Arsenal then lost possession to Villa, who then also carried on. But Arsenal then got rather upset that Villa didn't kick the ball out of play because their man was down injured. Um, what did both of you think of that, first of all? And also the more general sort of, what do you do if an opposition plays in? Do you play on or, or do you kick the ball out and be charitable? What do you, do you think? I think that um, <clears throat> the whole game, Villa were tough. They didn't let Arsenal get away with much. Um, and, and they and they were tough. Yeah, they were just tough. And it was quite refreshing to see because it's not always like that. But I, I mean, I haven't looked at the stats for the game. But I think if you looked at it without watching, judging from the amount of free kicks and things that Arsenal were awarded, you'd think Villa were a really dirty team. And I don't think that was the case at all. I think this stemmed from the fact that that was happening and that I think that was frustrating the Villa players because that's obviously, you know, they're all playing like that. That's how they've been 
you know, sort of taught to play. So I think that must be frustrating for them anyway. Um, um, the second point was, it wasn't, I know what instant you're talking about, I can't remember which Arsenal player was down, but earlier in the game, Sagna had gone down. Mm. And he'd been, he'd been rolling around and he'd been really sort of, you know, sort of the typical, you know, he's in so much pain. And he literally just stood up and walked off. And yeah. I think that the Villa players saw that and sort of thought, well, you know, if you're going to act like that, then, you know, if, if that was me, if I was in that position, I'd just seen that. I would think, well, no, I'm not going to give you the ball because how do I know if one of you is going to do it? How do I know the rest of you aren't going to do it as well? Yeah. Because when when he went down, it was so frustrating because, I mean, I, I do quite like Arsenal, especially this season, I like watching them play. But it was so frustrating because it was there was no need for it. Mm. And I and I can only imagine that as a professional footballer, that is incredibly infuriating as well. And and it's not you know you play to the whistle. At the end of the day, if the whistle hasn't gone and then play hasn't been stopped, then you've got absolutely every right to carry on. Yeah. And if in you know, if that makes if that makes your team a nasty team to play against, well, you know, is it not is it not sometimes quite good to have that reputation? You know, people come into your ground knowing that they're not going to be able to, you know, they're going to have to watch themselves and, and not just sort of do whatever they do. Mm. They are going to have to sort of play properly in a way, I guess. I think I, I can only think that it's a good thing, personally. Yeah, I think it's... Um... It's, it's one that's open to debate quite a lot, but it's also so open to abuse. I think me and you, Mark, we're a similar age, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure we might be a bit more sort of old school as well on this one, the fact that you sort of play for the whistle and let the referee decide. Um, absolutely, yeah. Um, the the players and the referee, they they know all the tricks because they pull them. So, you know, when you've got a player who go, goes down and is has tried to win a free kick, stays on the ground trying to win a bit of sympathy... Uh, trying to win a bit of credit with the referee for a decision in the future. Uh, yeah, the players should play on. They know when they're having the, the, the when they're trying to have each other over, you know, to try and get something out of the referee. And the Sanya one that Emma mentioned, he was rolling around, but he was on the touchline. You know, mm. he could have rolled. He could have rolled one body width, and they could have um, come and, you know, even with a broken leg, you can roll off the pitch yeah. uh, that far. Um, so again, he was just trying to prove a point that he'd been been tackled so yeah play to the whistle unless somebody's obviously got a serious injury and I, I think the referees and players on on the teams who are carrying on uh, with the game are savvy enough to know when somebody's really injured or whether they've just taken a kick on the ankle for example which again I'm old enough to have when I played if you got a kick on the ankle you know you got you were lucky to get the magic sponge you know otherwise you were just told to get up and run it off so yeah. yeah as far as I'm concerned they, they should play on yeah fair enough that brings us to the end of the first ever Man of the Post Extra podcast I hope you both uh, enjoyed being on it and I hope you all enjoy listening to it so before we go I shall say first of all goodbye to um, first of all to Mark goodbye thanks Chris no worries your Twitter handle is what sorry Mark for people want to follow you my Twitter is at the football pink at the football pink okay and I say thank you as well to Emma what's your Twitter handle Mine is at mwebs. Excellent. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening. We shall um, do this again next week. It will be up on the internet on 
Friday, I think, available to download from iTunes. Uh, remember, if you give us a five-star review, Colin from the Sunday Pod has promised you a uh, Man on the Post fridge magnet. So, all the most needed. Yeah, exactly. I've got one. They're real. I've got three, actually. <laughs> all that's left of me to say is thank you ever so much for listening, and always remember, keep your Man on the Post. Total webcast, you know, because I'm sitting here in my uh, onesie and what have you. But you know. <laughs> I, got a, I got a picture of you. You look like you're by the sea. <laughs> oh well, you uh, don't be sticking that on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Too many dodgy photos of me on the internet as it is.